And as we begin, I want to say a couple things. Number one, I count it a great privilege whenever I have the chance to open the Word of God with you. Number two, I encourage you to be as the Bereans. And don't just take my word for what I'm about to say, but take his word. Seek it out and see whether these things be so. Because I am committed to the best of my ability to preach the truth. But being a man, there's always the possibility that some of my own ideas could filter in. So I encourage you to challenge me, to hold me accountable for preaching the Word of God and the Word of God only. As I studied this passage um, of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, that's where we'll find ourselves today. As I studied this passage, I began to think that at least from a human perspective, these epistles of Thessalonians are letters that I would much rather rip out of my Bible and not have to read or to preach about. Because there's some unpleasant things contained within their pages for those who have not accepted Jesus Christ. But if we are not preaching the whole truth, if we are only stopping halfway, then we are doing a great disservice to those who are lost and dying in this world. So, as we look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, may it challenge us to preach the whole truth. And may those of us who may not have made a decision for Christ already choose that today will be the day. I want to start out today by sharing a story about an evangelist um, back in the days of King Henry VIII. His name was Hugh Latimer. And he was brought before the king. I don't know what exact circumstances he was brought before the king. But he was brought before the king and he preached to the king the gospel. And the king was greatly offended by that. And he decided, he said, Hugh, I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to give you a chance to recant what you told me. And then I'll let you go. So Hugh is brought before the king once again. And it says, when Hugh Latimer was preaching one day in the presence of King Henry VIII, he reports that he said to himself, Latimer, Latimer, remember that the king is here. Be careful what you say. Then he said to himself, Latimer, Latimer, remember that the king of kings is here. Be careful what you do not say. For such unflinching faithfulness, Latimer was eventually burned at the stake. But he feared failing God more than he feared offending men. The faithful disciple values his soul immeasurably more than he values his body and he will gladly sacrifice that which is only physical and corruptible for the sake of that which is spiritual and incorruptible. And as we get into First Thessalonians or 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 that is some of which we will discuss 
I'm challenged by that story. I've, I've told some friends recently that God has really been speaking to my mind about the possibility of maybe not in the not too distant future being a martyr for my faith. Because as a preacher of the gospel, I have a responsibility to share the whole gospel, even the bad parts. I am convinced that it's impossible to fully understand the love and the mercy of God unless you fully understand, first of all, the judgment of God. So we're going to read the first four verses here. I basically split up the first chapter of Thessalonians into three main points. Some of you will have different points, but uh, this, is where, this is the way I saw it when the Lord was dealing with me. The first point is Paul's greeting and commendation of the Thessalonians. This is consistent throughout 1 Thessalonians and it continues here in 2 Thessalonians. The second one is Paul's confidence in the judgment of the wicked. And uh, the third point is Paul's confidence in God's rewarding of the righteous. And uh, let's open in a quick word of prayer and then we'll begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that as we open it that you will bless and that you will speak to us and that we will leave here changed people different from when we came in. Lord, just prick our hearts where they need to be pricked. Help those who may not know you to make today the day of their salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Uh, we're going to start by reading the first four verses of Second Thessalonians chapter 1. And I do have some cross-references, which, which I'm going to have people read. The way I want to do this is just when I call out a cross-reference, first person to get to it can stand and read it for me. I would appreciate it. But we're going to start by reading the first four verses. It says, Paul and Silvanius and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you and the churches of God, for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you would endure. So, this first point is Paul's commendation and his encouragement to the Thessalonians because as a result of their faithfulness to God, because their faith was growing, and because their charity toward one another was abounding. And no doubt, because of their attitude, and because of their faithfulness to God, what they were and who they were was known to those around. And as a result, they were persecuted for their faith because their faith was known by everyone my question to you as well as myself is is, a, is my faith known to everyone do people know when they talk to me and when they see me going about my daily life that I am faithful to God um, we, I want to look really quickly at Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 to 12, and then Acts 4, 23 to 29. 
So whoever has those first, we'll start with Matthew chapter 5. If you could stand and read it for me, I would appreciate it. Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. Yes. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And then Acts 4, 23 to 29. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together those against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan have predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Okay, so we see here Paul had just commended the Thessalonians for their boldness in Jesus Christ and their patience in persecution. You know, a lot of times when we're, when we're praying for the persecuted church, often we will sometimes find ourselves praying that the persecution will be lifted. But if you notice throughout the New Testament, in the early church, they didn't pray for persecution to be lifted. They didn't say, deal with our persecutors and, and make them stop persecuting us. No, they rejoiced. And they said, let us preach with even more boldness the gospel of Jesus Christ. And at this current time in my life, I have to be honest with you and tell you that I'm not sure that I could pray that. I want to be that man who can pray that with all sincerity. And I pray that if the time comes for me to be persecuted in a visible and maybe even physical way, that I would be prepared to do so by the grace of God. But we see a response of rejoicing. Jesus said, if you're persecuted, rejoice. And these men had spent the night in jail and they had been, they'd been um, punished for what they did. But they didn't go sorrowing and when they went to pray, they didn't pray, Lord, help that not to happen again. But they rejoiced greatly that they were found worthy to suffer for the Lord. You know, we read about the martyrs like Hugh Latimer who I just talked about and like William Tyndale both of whom were burned at the stake for what they stood for 
You know what the common denominator between those and the many around the world that are being martyred today? Is that even when they are faced with persecution, even when they're faced with famine and peril and sword, they refuse to keep their mouth shut. Because they know that it's better to lose their body than that one additional person, because they failed to speak, lose their soul. May we, as his believers, have a similar belief and fervor and passion as we go through our lives. And may God grant us the grace as we need it. One thing I've noticed in my life in various areas, God doesn't give us grace ahead of time. He doesn't give us grace too late. He gives us grace right on time. Jesus said at one point in his earthly ministry, if you're brought before magistrates, don't worry about what you'll say for in the hour that you need it, I will give you the words to say. And when I think about Hugh Latimer, I think that that must have been the case. That he cared more about the King of Kings than the King of England. May we have a similar attitude. The second point I want to make is Paul's confidence in God's judgment of the wicked. Sometimes when we're being persecuted, even on the minor scale by comparison that we are in the U.S., we wonder why the wicked are successful. We wonder why sometimes the wicked have long lives as far as the earth is concerned. And some of the most godly people we know die way before their time. But we know from these next few verses that God has a plan and He will work it out. And ultimately, they will pay if they do not repent and trust God. The next five verses read as follows. Verse 5 which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that knew not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. I just... This is one of those sections that you don't want to read. You don't want to preach from a human perspective. But you know that you have to because the Bible is very clear that if you do not know God, if you choose to reject Him in this life, He will take vengeance on you in flaming fire. A place of eternal torment. A place where like the burning bush, things will burn, but they will not burn up. Eternally. Separated from God. There's a push in our modern society to downplay hell. But I'm here to tell you that hell is very real. That is why we celebrate the Lord's Supper every Sunday. Because we don't have to go there. Because our price has been paid. But unless we accept the price, 
we will suffer. I'm reminded of a story of Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson pardoned. When he was the president of the United States, he pardoned a man. I don't remember what the crime was for. But he sent the man who was in prison, he sent him a pardon, and he said, you can go free. Even though you have a death sentence, you can go free. And the man refused to accept the pardon. So the Justice Department went back to Thomas Jefferson and they said, what should we do? This man does not want to receive his pardon. He said, then you have to hang him. And a few days later, he was hung for his crimes. He didn't have to hang. He could have gone free, but he refused to accept the pardon. And how much greater is it? How much greater torment is it for us to refuse God's pardon? If we could look really quickly at Romans 12, 19 to 21. Romans 12, 19 to 21. And then if somebody could be headed to 2 Peter 3, 10 to 12 as well. And 2 Peter 3, verses 10 to 12. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? There is coming a day when all that is in this world, as it is now, will be burned up. I've heard it said um, at at some point by some people and I kind of subscribe to it you know a lot of times they say Christians aren't supposed to believe in the Big Bang I do believe in the Big Bang and it's coming (laughs) thank the Lord that I will not be here when it does but I I want to do my best to make sure that I am sharing Christ so that as many people as possible I can bring with me. Because people, the souls of people, are the only things that we can bring with us. And I want to challenge the parents in the room. God gave you the blessing of your children. And there's no greater ministry with all the other ministries we have, which are great. There's no greater ministry than to lead your children and to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord so that when you stand before the throne, your children can be there with you. 
And I want to challenge you to do that. And for those of you who are praying for your children that they would come to know the Lord, don't give up. For the Lord is merciful. And it could be that He is already working on your children. So never give up praying. And uh, we just we need to be exercised about the reality of hell. And to know what we've been saved from. And to use that urgency to tell others. Because if your friend's house was on fire, you wouldn't just sit there and let it burn. Well, my friends, we all have a lot of friends and family whose houses are on fire. And unless they come to Christ, their houses will burn up. But the Bible says that if the Lord build the house, it will be a solid house with a solid foundation. The third point and final point today is Paul's confidence in God's rewarding of the righteous. 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 10 says, When he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day, Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of his calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, if somebody could look up 2 Timothy 4.8 and then James 1.12. I, I'm just really excited about this day that it speaks of. And, I, and, I, and I'm also excited because I know that in our flesh, we can't be counted worthy. But the good news is that when God looks at the true believer, He looks at him through the lens of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ who perfectly fulfilled every part of the law and then who shed his blood on Calvary's cross so that we through him might be saved. And I'm especially thankful being a Gentile that God didn't stop with the Jews. That God extended his gift of salvation to the heathen nations and that God allowed me to have some crumbs from the master's table 2 Timothy 4.8 henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day and not to me only but unto all of them also that love is appearing. And then James 1.12 Blessed is the man who endures temptation 
but when he has been approved, you will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Paul is getting ready to be offered to the Lord. He said, I'm, I'm ready to be poured out in that passage. He's getting ready to go home because like our Savior, he can say that he's fought the good fight, that he's done the work that God gave him to do. And he's looking forward to the crown that the Lord will give him because he was faithful. And he says, I'm not the only one that can have this crown. You too can have this crown if you love his appearing. If you look forward with great anticipation to his appearing. James 1.12 points out that if we endure temptation or the trials of life, we will be given a crown of life if we endure. And uh, I'm just thankful that God does not leave us without help. We read earlier about the Holy Spirit being a comforter. We also read in Philippians chapter 2, verse 11, that it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. God does the work, but we have to let Him in. And even as Christians, we can quench the Spirit. We can say, God, I, I got this. And then He has to bring us back and say, no, actually, you don't. But the good news is, that we will be presented faultless before His throne if we are believers. Why? Because He will present us. It's about Him who is able, not about us who are able. So I want to encourage you, brethren and sisters. God can present you faultless before His throne. And if you trust Him, He can use you mightily to serve Him, to bring many souls to the kingdom starting with your children and then branching out. What an exciting and wonderful thought. In conclusion, I just want to re read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. It says this simply, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. There's no maybe about it. It's a guarantee. So my question to you is, are you living godly in Christ Jesus? And the next time someone pokes fun at you or persecutes you for your faith, if you're at the blues on the mall and somebody tries to shout you down, I pray that you'll rejoice. Because you have a great reward in heaven if you're faithful to God's calling. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that you would be with this body. That you'd help us to continue to reach out, to preach the gospel with our words and our actions. That we would preach the whole gospel, not just the fuzzy parts and that we would be exercised to walk worthy of the calling that we would realize how important a godly example is that you challenge us to live even more for you 
as a result of today than we have been before. Lord, I pray that if there be any in this audience today that does not know you, that they would trust you today so that they don't have to go through the flaming fire where you will take vengeance on those who do not know you. We don't want anyone in this room to go there. But we would be doing a disservice if we did not tell people and warn them that that is a clear and present and future danger for those who do not know God. But we thank you that you are known through the person of Jesus Christ. And we thank you of your, for your faithfulness that he who cometh to God and believes that he is and diligently seeks you will be rewarded. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.